the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing in more. Talking investing and getting into retirement and virtual cats. I know you're saying virtual cats. Where is he going with this one? Virtual cats are a thing. There's something called GDC. And I'm one of those people that anytime I see an acronym or letters and numbers string together, I'm like, what is, what's that mean? And I can't help but read articles in newspapers. I love it. I prefer a real newspaper versus uh, Kindle, but that's because I hate trees. I've got a, a long line of hating trees. I come from a long line of hating trees. My father hated trees. My father's father hated trees. Uh, I think I was related to Johnny Appleseed at one point in time who chopped down apple trees. So I've spent a couple of days thinking about GDC and Gamers Developers Conference in San Francisco. And one of the things I did growing up as a kid was I played a lot of video games. A lot of video games. I want to say that I was born... With not a bottle in my hand, but maybe a joystick. I had the Atari 2600. I had ColecoVision. I had Intellivision. With all these consoles, I probably, had I invested, I'd probably worth be, you know, hundreds of millions, right? I'm struck with how fast cities change, how fast states change, how fast the video game business has changed. And something that I absolutely hate are virtual goods. When your kid comes to you and they're like, Dad, I want to buy 1,400 gems. I'm like, well, 1,400 gems is going to cost you millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, it's going to cost $4. I'm like, $1,400? You want $4 on something that is in your phone and goes away? So you basically want to play video games for $4. And that's the right answer, virtual goods. Building digital worlds where people want to spend a good chunk of their time and occasionally some money on cosmetic modifications is what these digital goods are all about. The idea that people spend real money on virtual objects, it's not new. It's been around forever and ever and ever. And whether you're Tencent or Activision or Electronic Arts or Valve, they've made millions of dollars selling you costumes. Digital costumes. Like, I remember Valve's got a game, Team Fortress. Does that sound right? It's been a long time since I played it. And you could get, like, a chicken hat. But it cost you, like, 99 cents to, like, but no one else had the chicken hat. You're like, I'm cool. I got a chicken hat on. So a lot of people kind of try to do it within reason. You know, you spend 40 to 60 bucks on a game or you get it for free. So you go, I'll spend $15 dressing up 
my Overwatch character. Um, and that's your that's your budget, $15. So you have a budget for your video game character, just like you have a budget for you. This weekend, I'm going to go to the mall. I'm going to buy some clothes and get a cup of coffee. Oh, and maybe a beer at Cheesecake. And suddenly, I just I broke my budget, right? Ooh. Last year, there was a, a really, really naughty, just, just mean-spirited debate on ethics about Star Wars Battlefront. And the way you, you, you'd see characters in commercial like Yoda and Chewbacca, and you're like, I want to play Yoda and Chewbacca. And then you realize that you have to spend like $60 on loot crates to maybe get them. Loot crates are kind of a, you spend a buck and maybe there's some ammo in there. Maybe there's a crossbow in there. And maybe there is, oh, a stormtrooper. I got another stormtrooper, not uh, Chewbacca. Uh, I'm sorry, Chewy. <laughs> If Chewbacca were to ask your sister out on a date, would you let him go? It's an ethical debate. Are you out of your mind? Man versus Wookiee. So that's the kind of debate that we had last year. Was, is it cool to tell gamers you have to spend money to potentially get a character that should probably come with it or looks like it came with it? So developers are still trying to figure out exactly how they can get away with charging for the right systems to get you happy and not feeling like your dad's freaked out that you're spending virtual money on clothes that aren't even real. There's what I would refer to as an obsession. League of Legends came out in 2009. It's still a powerhouse. So to get people to stay for that long of a time and spending a little bit of money, Microsoft spot Minecraft a couple years ago. And to this day, it's going strong. So Ready Player One is the Steven Spielberg movie slash book that it's kind of got a virtual reality universe inside the movie. And video game developers would love to have a virtual reality type universe where you keep coming back and you spend a little bit more money and a little bit more money and a little bit more money. Game makers are focused on building the same kind of worlds of interactive experiences and not just silly games. Um, because the silly game we tire of. And yeah, we may throw some money into it. Um, you know, the jewelry quest and gym quests and things like that, where you're trying to move the candy quest and you're trying to get the bombs and you're like, you were so close. If you only had two more moves, you would have absolute control. You would have won. But you kind of get bored of it after level 149, but you've spent 20 bucks. But they want you to go on 365 days a year. So there's something called cryo-kitties. And it's a pretty extreme thought. There's a company called cryo-kitties, and they just raised $12 million from Andreessen Horowitz and Union Square Ventures. It takes the idea that people want to own virtual objects to its logical extreme. Why should... Blizzard own the skins when you buy an avatar in your game, the clothes, what if instead you could resell them? What if I bought it for a dollar, a chicken hat, and suddenly some someone says, that's a crazy cool chicken hat. Can I sell it to them for a buck and a quarter? So this is called decentralizing. And it's less crazy than you can think. To think about like who owns your music that you've paid for, when you die, do you? 
or does it revert back to Apple? Who owns the movies that you've downloaded, all the Star Wars movies that you wanted your kids to watch, but you accidentally died, and they're too depressed to go into your account? Designers and entrepreneurs right now are selling digital goods in what are essentially unproductive parts of our life. But if they can figure out ways of selling digital goods that are in the productive part of our life and that we could resell, that's where the game movement industry is moving. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I work in television and in radio. And uh, I do the radio show sometimes from my television studios. And... I just paying attention with audio off to a story about Google and how there's protests going on at the Google campus about affordable housing. It's a problem. I keep coming back and back and back and back and back to that story again and again and again in my head of like, where do our teachers, where do our firefighters live? Where do our police live? Um, where do our DMV employees live? Where do... Our bartenders, our waiters and waitresses live. When you're Google, you you are all that in a bucket of chicken. You're Google. Great Google and Mugata. You're Google. Go Google, 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 and you're you're Google. Um, I think this all ends bad. So I, 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 earlier in the show, I talked about how I got a Zilla report emailed to me on my basically my. Uh, zip code and it talked about all the houses that are up for sale now and what the last set of prices went for and how much per square foot and it's offensive um i'm not going to complain i own i'm part of those that have and i i think that you know it's crazy because i don't want to give it up i know people who are getting divorced and the thing that they're fighting over the most is who gets control of the house. People don't want to give it up. Now, if I were to blend this story back, because I think that's sometimes what, what we have to do as storytellers, is to say that today there's a Google engineer who left the company after 13 years. And he's got some crazy criticism for the company. Crazy in that I, I, I don't think it's crazy at all. Crazy in that it's criticism of Google. I mean, holy mackerel, you're Google, right? He said after 13 years, he's left the company. He thinks the company is 100% competitor-focused. His name's Steve Yegi. He joined Google from Amazon back in 2005. He wrote a blog to post about his decision to quit the company, saying it's become too focused on competitors instead of customers. He's had product launches such as its smart speaker home, its chat app, Allo, and its Android instant apps, copy Amazon Echo, Facebook owned WhatsApp, and WeChat respectively. Well, he says, he's saying that the company that he works for used to be customer focused and now it's competitor focused. And I look at my neighborhood, I'm like, whoa, there's a Google executive here, there's a Google employee there. <clears throat> so I'm intrigued by this. 
He said, Steve Yagi goes, Google has become 100% competitor-focused rather than customer-focused. They've made a weak attempt to pivot from this with their internal slogan, focus on the user and all else will follow. But unfortunately, it's just lip service. Do you agree with that? I kind of do. When I see Snapchat come up with some really cute features, and then Facebook instantly copies them, I'm like, whoa. Is the little guy going to have any chance? And that brings in the big, the big, big, big question for 2018, 2019, 2020. Is when does the government step in and, and, and say something about Google and Facebook and Apple and Amazon and Netflix? Are they too big? Are they too powerful? Can they just copy features? Back in the 1980s and early 1990s, you know, PCs were in a revolution. Michael Dell comes up with this idea of like, hey, let's sell computers out of my dorm room. I'll make them, you order them, I'll ship them. And that led to, which led to, which led to, right? The 8086, the 386, the 486, the Pentium computers, the Pentium 1, Pentium 2, Pentium 3, Pentium 4. Oh, like, you kind of get where this is going, right? So there was a company called Microsoft that back in the 1990s, they kind of really dominated operating systems, and they kind of made some mistakes by hurting competition and saying, Netscape is doing something pretty unique. They've got this browser that you can download and put on a PC. They're like, well, we'll come up with our own browser. And the European Union didn't like that. We're seeing a little bit of it again today. And I can tell you, like, at one point in time in the 1990s, like, your computer storage, you're, you're taking it for granted. There was at one point in time where, where like, we'd get a 40-meg hard drive before gigs, before terabytes. And you'd be like, woo 40 megs. And there's a company called Stacker. I don't know who owns Stacker. I don't know anything about it. Other than what they did was they basically doubled the size of your hard drive by mirroring it or something. I don't even know what the technology was. And then... Oddly enough, Microsoft included that feature in their next operating system rollout, and Stacker went bye-bye. I remember spending probably $39, $49, $59, $69 to buy Stacker, and then Microsoft just made it part of their operating system. So when you have a Google employee say that they've become 100% competitor-focused rather than customer-focused, and when he's saying, you know, focus on the user, they're not doing that. It's going to be pretty interesting to watch when our government decides to get involved, if they decide to get involved, with some of these companies that are pretty big. You know, the idea of Netflix buying Spotify, it's not crazy. Netflix dominates video rentals or television shows at this point in time. Streaming? Why not? Why does a streaming content provider not say, okay, we're into video, why not get into audio? And what do you think about that? Yege, known for creating Grok, which is a service for Google developers, has publicly lambasted the company numerous times while he worked for them. He hated the social network Google+, which was meant to be internal, but accidentally posted publicly a criticism of Google+. 
it didn't cost him his job, but now he's he's finally quit the company and said it's just too big. They're doing things wrong. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So let's talk about some fun stuff. I don't want you to close your eyes and imagine, especially if you're driving. But when you get a chance today, let's talk about some fun stuff in your head and close your eyes and imagine things like retirement and things like understanding retirement plans. And not just going through the day thinking, oh, my life sucks, but actually coming up with a plan. I told you I once had a crush on a girl named Elizabeth, or she had a crush on me, and uh, carved it into a tree, said it out loud. Kind of awesome. Keeping it in, I would never have known. Wills and trusts. Wills and trusts. Protect the people you love in case you die. It's not that hard of a thought. Your goal is to financially secure yourself and I hope your family members. You want to accumulate wealth for retirement and generate income in retirement. I talk about these concepts all the time. You can sign up for a seminar by going to Rob Black Show and Rob Black Show and sign up for a seminar using the code radio 25 to get them for free. But a lot of what I talk about isn't fun. Financial planning. Retirement, getting older, home ownership, insurance, life events. Life events is a good one because if you have a kid, a couple of life events you probably want are you want to see him graduate from high school, right? Before he goes to jail. I think that's an accomplishment. My mom was always like, I got it, you all, you all, like, you're all good kids. None of you have been to prison. I'm like, yeah, but some of us has been to jail, mom. Some of us has been to jail. But life events, I think it's an important one to think about, right? What are you doing on this planet? Uh, what do you want to walk away with? So I think wills and trusts are important. I think taxes are really hideous, and it's tough for me to talk about because we are all at different stages in our life, and we all have different accountants who... Some are aggressive and some are passive, so I don't really talk about that. I do talk about credit and debit. I love credit cards, but I also pay off my balance every month, so I'm not carrying the interest. I use the rewards. Um, Do you know how great it is when you look at your account and you're like, whoa, I've got $4,600 of rewards just from using this credit card and paying it on time? And then you're like, even better you actually get a point and a half if you book through their website. So it's like, whoa, okay, that's 46600, get the abacus, times it by pi, it's then one and a half. So wait, you're like, wait, 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 do I really have 60, 70, over $7,000 of purchasing just from doing nothing? Yay! Right? And then that mimosa that costs 15 bucks tastes a heck of a lot better. Just my opinion. Um, minimum payment on a credit card equals maximum expense. Just say no. I know people who are like, uh, I'm going to Rwanda this summer to learn dance and to build 
uh, tiki huts for the people in Rwanda. Now, for the record, I couldn't find Rwanda on a map. I know it's in Africa somewhere. Couldn't find it past that. So I make fun of people for reasons that they want to go out and enjoy life and spend their money. But if it's on a credit card, that's different than planning for it, in my opinion. I don't know if I'm allowed to go back and make that little thing. But, you know, life events, I do want you to enjoy, but I don't want you to enjoy on credit. Rental and vacation properties are a tricky, tricky topic when you're talking wealth. Do you wish you had never bought that timeshare? That's the question I answer, ask everyone who asks me, how can I get rid of my timeshare? And I start with the loaded question of, do you wish you had never bought that timeshare? Don't buy that timeshare. Should you keep rental properties? A lot of times we get into a situation where it's other people's money paying for a mortgage. And at some point in time, you can actually sell and put that money to use in a bond fund or an income fund or in another home, something closer to you, maybe a duplex or a triplex to get three renters instead of one. So, yeah, I, I think you should ask yourself on rental properties of like, how much equity do I have? And is it just sitting there doing nothing? So I look at timeshare agents, not as crooks, but I start with a heavy amount of skepticism and I would never buy real estate while on vacation. It just doesn't mix well. You're caught up in the moment. There's legitimate real estate brokers who can help, but timeshare resales are fertile ground for scams. Timeshare resale fraud became a big problem after the 2008 credit crisis. People lost their jobs. People lost their homes. People lost their ability to sell, get people into their timeshares. The FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, has said timeshare investigations have gone up from 819 in 2009 to 6,000 in 2011. That's crazy. That's meteoric. Anytime you buy anything, anytime you get married, literally, if you're buying, quote unquote, the cow, which goes back to that old maxim that every dad tells their daughter, why buy the cow if you get the milk for free? Because I like cows. And I like free milk, and I like chocolate milk, so I like chocolate cows. That's but you have to all, any of this works. You have to write down a lot of questions before you get into any sort of relationship, financial or physical, or love or anything else. And if you don't write down the questions, at least have them in your head. Like, um, ask what services do you get for the money that you pay? Ask, you know, if you pay by cash or wire transfer. Only, that's probably a bad thing, and say, why do you only do cash or wire transfer? That sounds like you could be scamming me. Never, ever send people money that, that aren't willing to meet you in person. Um, be careful of claims like they're strong demand, or maybe they're, they're too bold. They're the only ones bold enough to offer. Such an amazing deal. They can turn gold into hay. I mean, hay into gold. <laughs> wait, wait, you just turned my gold into hay. That's sorry. terrible. That's sorry, dude. That's terrible. Um, be careful on like the, the claims that sound too good to be true. Like you're buying an expensive piece of property or you're leasing it or you're doing something and they're like, oh, you can walk away anytime you want. You probably can't because it's an expensive piece of property. Um, so like 
if you buy a ski house, a vacation house, you know, the realtor will probably say things like, you probably need to use this for at least three years so you get my, my commissions when I sell it for you in the future because you just bought it now. But something tells me with timeshares, you're not really got your head on straight. You're like, woohoo, I just went to Vail, Colorado, and these kind, nice people said if I meet with them for two hours, that I can have you know a free dinner or a free Woo-hoo! ski pass. And then they show you the place, and you're already qualified because you're in Vail, right? You flew to a luxury resort, so you know you have money. And they just want a big chunk of it. Not not too much, just a big chunk. So It's a trap! It's a trap! No, don't sign it! And anything that you typically do sign in the world of finances, whether it's real estate or what have you, um, anything that you do sign, you should probably start thinking about the concept of how soon can I say I want to rip this up? So, and that's the careful one on the divorce and marriage. You know, I said before you get into a relationship with a timeshare company, you should probably write down questions. I, I stand by that. Before you get into any relationship, you should probably write down questions. Do you do joint accounts or do you not? I can tell you they stress people out they, when you do or don't. Whichever one you do, it stresses people out. Are you open with your spouse about money? Um, do you have a financial to-do list for second marriages? I've often said, if I die, honey, don't get remarried. I want you to live by yourself, lonely, on a house on a hill, in a rocking chair in a window. And I want you to weep my name every day until final coming you two pass away. I don't want you to be happy. I don't want you to find anyone. I don't want you to spend any of the money. I just want you to sit on a house on a hill wailing for me. Better than crying, wailing. It has to be like, I miss him so much. And if you can be on a hill and you can wake up all the neighbors. I'm in a glass case of emotion. That's close. That's close. I, I want that intensity. Maybe a little bit more, but pretty close. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing in more. Talk to your loved ones, people. I'm Rob Black. Peace out. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Thanks for listening to the show. Budgets are kind of a, I I almost want to say a controversial word. Because if you say, hey, honey, you need to watch our budget. It's almost like a dreaded B word, right? It just doesn't work for a lot of people, budgeting. Americans from different backgrounds all have different opinions on, you know, what is a luxury item, what is not, what is decadent restaurant spending, what is not. Budgets fail because they're merely promises about how you will spend your money. So instead of a budget, um, start with some things, you know, early on, like automatic savings. Build it into your lifestyle. Start building into your lifestyle, funding your financial goals. A lot of people fight over budgets. I don't want you to fight, right? But I do want you to communicate. And if you can't talk about money, you certainly shouldn't have children. Because if you can't, because those are some big decisions. And if you can't talk about money and children, you, how are you going to talk about death one day? Buying a car versus leasing a car. You have to understand why leases are so cheap, right? That's where I start. And again, I have no problem coming out with the cash flow positive best angle for you. But also, I have no problem if, like, you're going to say, I'm going to get a Toyota Tacoma truck. 
those things will last 250,000 miles if you take care of it. Economically speaking, cars consist of three parts. The part where you own it, kind of like your house, so you can see the equity. Then there's something called depreciation, which is the loss in value over time. So you could say, I own $500 of the car, but even that will depreciate over time, right? Will it depreciate to zero? Well, it kind of can. Because you'll get to the point where the car's not worth, you know, no one will even take it from you. And then there's also the interest expense on a car. So cars have a lot of like cash and money tied towards them. If you finance the purchase of a car, you pay for all three parts of that. And you want to pay for the equity, the depreciation, and the interest expense over four years or five years. Sadly, people are normally going with six, six and seven-year, uh, not mortgages, but car loans. So when the car loses residual value, that's what they're going to base the loan on for leasing. And that's why leases look so attractive to you, because you get no equity. You're only, pay, you're only paying paying for the depreciation and the interest. When you buy a car, you're paying for the equity as well. So there's that other third component. If I ever got a lease, you darn, you darn well better make sure um, that you have gap insurance. Gap insurance is, at the end of the contract of a lease, it's the difference between the car's residual value um, at the end of the lease. Let's say it's worth $15,000, but you can only sell the car for 10000 So then you're upside down 5000 and that's why you get that gap insurance. So I'm not a big fan of leasing, unless it's going to be if you have like a high school kid who's going to go very controlled amount of miles, um, very controlled. So I'm not, again, against it. Anytime I do a big road trip, you know, I'll go rent a car. I'd rather put the miles on a rental, per se. Car ownership's expensive, right? It's not the most expensive thing in our life. I think our house is maybe our retirement plan, but it's up there. So um, I prefer to own and not lease. And again, I get it. You know, the temptation to get a car payment of a nice car of $150, $200, whatever it is for you. I get it. I focus a lot on mistakes here. And it's pretty crazy. Um, when it comes to investing, I, I when I do these live events, I really see real people. And the real people and some of the mistakes we make are pretty crazy. Some of the assumptions we make are pretty aggressive. Um, 529 plans, for instance are wonderful products. There are vehicles that you could save money for your kid's college in. A lot of people don't take advantage of them. Now, here's the problem with 529 plans. You need to use the money for college-related expenses. And what if you only have one kid and your kid decides to be an artist? I still think it's worth having around, uh, in my opinion. So uh, you could use the... You can use the expenses later. And even if you don't, the tax-deferred growth that you got, even though you're going to pay taxes on it on the way back out because it didn't quite work out for you, um, at least you're saving. You know, it's One of the, one of the mistakes we, we make is we're, we're afraid of debt, even though with debt, if you pay it, you're typically you know, 
getting some equity out of it, you're getting some, you're paying down some principal. Um, there's different components of different types of debt, right? So, but it's not a bad thing to put yourself at financial not risk, but automatic situations where you're saving a little bit of money just automatically. Uh, later in life, you're gonna look back and go, "Huh, that turned into a, a, a bigger sum than I thought." You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.